If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. But people were not forced, right? So during the pandemic, it wasn't by choice. We were forced to sit still. And so I think one of the trends that I definitely saw happening was an increase in anxiety. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast, empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they want to be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. All right, so we are live. So welcome, Nigeria McHelen. I'm really excited to have you here today to talk about mental health and how stress is, it can lead to a lot of mental health issues. But why don't we start off by you telling our listeners and viewers a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you for having me. So my name is Nigeria McKellen. I am the owner and clinical director of New Perspectives Therapeutic Services. So I'm a licensed clinical therapist. I have a team of therapists that provide clinical services. So we do mental health work in the community. We service Florida. I'm also licensed in Georgia, Texas, Delaware. Um, we provide services for children men, women, we do couples therapy, we work with schools. And so we provide a number of mental health services in the community um, for all age groups, really. Yeah, it, it's such a needed service now, especially, I can't even say post-COVID, because we're still in the era of COVID, right? COVID is not necessarily over, even though many people say it's over. Uh, but what made you get into the mental health, uh, mental health services? You know, I, it seems like I've been sharing this story a lot lately, and it's, it's it makes me smile because it makes me think of my why, right? But it's been getting asked, so I feel like I'm, like, repeating it a lot. And so I'll give you a very transparent answer, and it's my honest answer. I started out a um, pharmacy major. So I was in love with the idea of doing pharmacy. I love things, all things medicine. I went to FAMU, did some uh, research. And I was just really loved the work. I loved science. And, you know, let me go back a little bit. When I was 16, my mom, um, she was diagnosed with cancer and it's myself and I'm the youngest of four. We would do these rotations. We would have our shifts where we, um, where we were, we were there watching her basically sitting with her on my particular shift one day, she had a heart attack. And in this moment, me being 15, of course, the doctors, they 
rushed me out of the room and I'm in the hallway by myself because my dad was in the military. So he wasn't there. It was my shift and I was there by myself. And a social worker came up and started to talk to me. And she talked to me about the stages of death. And me not knowing that my mom was entering that space, I listened, right? But I didn't understand how valuable that would be. And so fast forward to my mom really starting to go through the stages of death. I recall the conversations that me and this social worker had. She had given me, you know how they give you that daily bread, that little pamphlet. She had given me that and um, I held on to it. And I literally watched my mom go through those stages. And it was such an amazing um, seed that was planted because as I went through what has become the most difficult time in my life as a teenager, someone who I don't even know, you know, we fast forward 20 some odd years. I don't even know who the woman was. <laughs> I know she was a social worker, but I don't know her name. I don't know how to thank her. I don't know how to tell her how inspirational that moment that she poured into me, how it was for me. But fast forward to me being in pharmacy school, I realized that wasn't where I had a passion. I love the work. You can love a lot of things, but all things won't be your passion. And so I changed my major, social work, and everybody was like, you're not going to make no money. Why are you doing social work? You know, you left a career field where you're going to make big bucks. Um, I knew very early on that doing this work was what I was called to do. And so using my experience of someone pouring into me and planting the seed, I wanted to do that for other people. And so fast forward to today, I feel like I am being obedient. You know, I am walking in my purpose and I'm doing what I really have a passion for. And so that is uh, that is a, a longer version, but that is like I had to give it all to you in order for you to understand like the full aspect of my why. What a powerful story. <laughs> wow. I did not know that. Um, and sorry for your loss of your mom. Um, but what a powerful, powerful story just to really show the impact we can have on people. Uh, yeah. That's amazing. And I'm not sure if you know this, but I'm an oncology nurse practitioner. So oncology is my passion. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah. Wow. Wow. And I'm sure that lady probably didn't even think twice about it because she's just doing it. Mm -hmm. and, and I love how you say you're walking in your purpose. I'm, I'm a very purpose-driven person. I think we have that in common. I, I did read your bio. Um, so how do you feel like you're impacting lives right now? I think I am being intentional. You know, I think when building a business that is also... Um, established to provide a service, you have to be intentional about the work that you're doing. You have to make sure that you're providing a service of value. And so one of the things that I very humbly say is I know that people are leaving my practice better than how they came to us. Right. And I think sometimes when you work with the wrong people, you can do more harm than good, especially when you talk about mental health services. And so I think I'm super intentional. I think I definitely strive to make sure that myself and my team, that we're making an impact and we're intentional about our work so that people are leaving better than they came. And when you think about like mental health services, I always think about, you know, different frameworks and different models we use and different theories we use. 
what is special about your practice or your team? Like, what's your special sauce? So not going to someone down the street, we want to come to you. What What's your special sauce? Yeah, I think it's a few things. I think we are, well, I know we are responsive. You know, I get a lot of clients that will call and say, gosh, you're the first office to answer the phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, people not answering the phone. They're like, no, people are not answering the phone. We also don't have a long waiting list. I know a lot of clients will come and they'll say, gosh, you know, I've been calling around. Everybody has a 60 day or a 90 day waiting list. When I used to work in other practices, community-based agencies, and I saw that because of the high need, people would come in and be on a waiting list for 30 and 60 days. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to do that. So for my my practice, we we fortunately, we have the capacity to take on a lot of clients because we have you know full-time therapists, part-time therapists. Um, our program is designed in a way where we're not turning away a lot of people. But if we ever get to a point where we can't meet a need, We'll send clients to other therapists who can take them on versus having someone sitting with a need for support and not getting it for 30 or 60 days. In addition to that, I get a lot of clients that ask me, what can I expect? Or, you know, how do you do your process? And one of the things that I think is super important is that I let clients know that our process is really catered to your need. Mm -hmm. So it's not a cookie cutter recipe. It's not something that you know, every client comes in and every client gets the same the same process. It's going to be different because every client has different needs. Mm-hmm. And so when you when you talk about what sets us apart, I think is the fact that we truly do cater our services to individual need. Yeah, so it sounds like personalized, holistic absolutely approach to caring for someone's mental health, which I love and you don't really get that anymore just with the volume. And I love that you said there's no wait list because I know now it's hard to get in to see a therapist. Mm-hmm. And and I can respect that that you are a Black mental health professional. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, African-American mental health professionals um, out there practicing. So I think that is wonderful. I would love for you to talk a little bit about um, if you have seen any difference in trends, like pre-COVID, to COVID, because I know a lot of people, you know, were um, locked in. We had a shift in our lives and our mental and our professional, uh, not our mental, and our personal and professional lives, where um, a lot of mental health um, issues were uncovered or discovered. What are you seeing out there in the field? Yeah, and I think it goes back to to what you said. Pre-COVID, they existed but people were not forced, right? So during the pandemic, it wasn't by choice. We were forced to sit still. And so I think one of the trends that I definitely saw happening was an increase in anxiety. Children, adults, children transitioning from homeschool back into the public school systems, children having to go from not really being able to be around their friends and in big social groups to now having an opportunity to go to school dances or plays or games or socialize and make friends. Um, Even adults, we see a lot of adults that come in and they're suffering from anxiety. So I think a lot of anxiety, not only around social aspects, but also around health, right? Because the pandemic did create Um, a lot of fear in a lot of people. And so anxiety is probably the number one thing that we have seen. And then I think depression as well. Yeah. 
And because you said, you know, it, it existed and not everyone really seeked mental health services, someone listening now, how do they know that they may need to see someone? Like, what are some symptoms? What are some patterns that uh, they can be experiencing that make them want to think like, hmm, maybe I should talk to someone about this? Mm-hmm. I always encourage clients to always be in tune with yourself, right? You know, when we go to the doctor, we want the doctor to give us a diagnosis or tell us what's going on, but we have to give them information first because we best know our bodies and we can tell them what's going on with us. And so for someone listening, I would say, if there's anything about you that has changed, if it's, you know, you're starting to isolate yourself, you're starting to have problems in relationships or friendships, if you are feeling down, if you are, um, you know, your confidence is low, if just change, if you're going through changes that are unlike you, right? Reach out for help. Sometimes people will come and they think that if they don't have a diagnosis or it's like, oh, I don't really have big issues. So I don't know if I'm a right candidate for therapy. You don't have to have these big, amazing issues to come see a therapist. You can just need a safe space to vent, to process your feelings, to navigate through experiences and changes and life transitions and stressors. We all have that and we all go through those through those through those things often. And so I encourage people to just be in tune with yourself. And whenever you are experiencing changes or um, a difference in how you're showing up, reach out for help. I love that you said you don't have to have a diagnosis to come see a mental health provider. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. And it's a misconception that I'm not crazy, so I don't need to see a mental health therapist. Exactly. I think of a mental health provider as an outlet, right? So it's not your friend, it's not your family member, but it's like your support system. You have someone you can actually go talk to and maybe see things from a different perspective. Because many times we have the answer, but we're so stressed that we can't even process it. So it can be someone to help you just process what life transitions, stressors you may be going through. So I love that you said that. I hope that was loud and clear. You do not have to have a diagnosis or be considered crazy to see a mental health provider. Even if you have stress in your life, which we all do, you can see a mental health provider to help you just kind of work through that. Yes. Yes. And I think that also speaks to the stigma that still exists Mm -hmm. around Mm -hmm. mental health and therapy. Right. And so Yeah, I think we have to continue to create opportunities for people to learn and be aware because sometimes people just don't know. And so I think it also starts there is just an awareness for what's available to you. And and the more people become aware, the more open they are to, you know, accessing or engaging in therapy. Yes. And, you know, I always tell people we take care of our heart. Right. So if if you, you have a bad heart or something's wrong with your heart you're going to take care of it. Same thing with your your, your mind, right? Mm-hmm. The stress, it, it offends your, your mind, your brain. So having a mental health professional, just like going to the hospital to, to, you know, get treatment for your heart. You want to get treatment for your brain, your mind, right? I use that, you know, I was on a panel discussion this past weekend. And that's one of the things that I always try to bring up when I'm in front of a group of people is, when we grow up and even in adulthood, if we have a toothache, we go to the dentist, mm-hmm. we have a stomachache, we go to the doctor, you know, our, our glasses, we need, you know, our, you wear glasses, I wear glasses. If, if, if our vision is messed up, we go get our prescription and go get a new pair of glasses. 
But, you know, emotionally, when we're feeling away, people don't run to therapy. And just like we get checkups, it's like use it as a preventative, not as a rescue out of a situation. And that's what I'm always trying to pour into people. It's there and it's available and it's necessary. Oh, like a, it's like your wellness visit, your your <laughs> physical wellness visit, your mental health wellness visit. Yeah, I, I love that. Absolutely. I love that. And I always tell people, you know, like you said, like the stigmas, you know, we, we can't we have to kind of get out of that and really be our own individuals mm-hmm. and be change makers. Right. Who cares about the stigma? Get what you need. Right. It, it doesn't matter what everyone else is saying or doing. No one has to know what you're doing. Right. Do people know when you go to the doctor. Like, you know what I mean? So you you don't have to broadcast it, but you really do want to take care of your mind just like you take care of your body. Absolutely. And, and I want to kind of back up a little bit because you said, you know, a lot of people came in with anxiety, um, adults and children. Can you talk a little bit about parents who are dealing with anxiety or depression or burnout and how that impacts the kids, or is there a correlation there between parents who don't have um, good mental health practices? Th- does it impact their children? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, I, I have been big on this saying lately, um, you know, the work we do on ourselves becomes our gift to others. And I think as parents, we have to recognize that when we're not taking care of ourselves, we can only, we're limited in how good we can be to anybody else, especially our children who depend on us. Right. And so I do believe that, you know, some things are learned behaviors. If I am raised by a very anxious parent who is anxious about everything, me going outside, me washing my hands, me, you know, hanging out with my friends, then I'm going to create some level of anxiety, not guaranteed, but more likely than not. Right. So I definitely feel like there is a correlation between parents that are super anxious or experiencing experience a high level of anxiety and children. And then sometimes not, sometimes it's super independent of each other. Um, but from what we've seen, I would say over the past two or three years, we work like, because we do work with families, like groups of families a lot in our practice as well, we often do see something like anxiety and even depression existing within a family group, right? And really having to work with the entire family individually, as well as sometimes as a group to work through those symptoms. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, my mom, she worries all the time. Ever mm-hmm. since I was younger, she worried. When I went, when I went away to college, I worried, right? <laughs> and I really had to be intentional about breaking that pattern. Mm. Like even going outside to the car at night, she would worry. And mm. mentally, I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? Always just waiting for something to happen because that's how I was raised. But mm-hmm. I had to intentionally break that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want that. I cannot live my life like that. But I had to become aware of it, right? Mm-hmm. First, say, I don't want that. So I have to break it. But same thing with other people you can break the patterns that, you know, you grew up with or, you know, you were raised in a house with someone who did X, Y, or Z, and then that's what you're kind of leaning on. But you're, you know, 40 or 50 years old, right? Like, it's like you break the patterns that you live the life you want to live. You decide what that is and you break those patterns and make new pathways for your family. It's so, so important. And you talk about having that awareness. And I think it's important to understand that people don't know what they don't know, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes we can call it 
um, oh, she's just concerned. She's just parenting. And it's not anxiety. She's just parenting, right? She just loves her baby. But she's experiencing anxiety. So mm -hmm. they don't know it to be anxiety because they just don't know. They don't have the awareness. And so that's why I'm big on education as well. It's one thing for me to to help you and to to support you. But education is such an important component of that because you don't know what you don't know. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I know like, you know, even with children, like suicide rates, you know, have been up and, and high. What can some parents look for in their children or how can they have conversations with their children about like mental health? Like I always encourage parents to talk to their children about stress and what stresses are in their lives. But I would love to get your perspective on tips on how they can talk about mental health, especially to um, you know, they're male children. Mm -hmm. So we recently did a team mental health summit here in Jacksonville. And we had a very, very great outcome. And I think it's important for parents to understand that children know what these things are, whether you're talking to them about it or not, they know what it is. You know, they're learning from their peers. They're learning from social media. So I'm big on if my kids are going to find out anyway, I want to kind of get ahead of social media's opportunity to teach my kids and to pour into my kids. I want to get ahead of their peers telling them things that they've learned, right? Because I don't know what those children are experiencing in their own homes. And so I always encourage parents to create a safe space for their children to talk. Children aren't always going to talk to their parents. And I get some parents that are very... um you know, they're very saddened by that because they want their children to talk to them. And I think one of the things that parents just have to be consistent about is just letting their kids know that, hey, this is a safe space for us to talk. I want you to talk. You can open up. Being reassuring that that it's okay to open up and talk and giving them permission to feel and to talk and to express themselves. And then always asking, do you feel like you need to see a therapist? You know, some of the things I encourage parents to look out for is, changing in how their children interact with their peers. If your child loves sports and all of a sudden they stop playing sports or they lose interest in sports or lose interest in something that they once were really interested in, talk to them, communicate, ask them questions, um, bond and have a relationship with your children. And so I'm really, really big on parents just talking, just talking. And we get a lot of parents that come into the practice that need help. They need help knowing how to talk to their teenager, getting through to their teenager. So we facilitate conversations and dialogue and really teach parents and children how to communicate and how to create a safe space and how to create an opportunity to talk and express to you how I feel if I'm feeling down one day. Because parents want to know. They want to know what's going on with their children. Um, and so, yeah, communicate. Communication is key. I love that you said that you can help parents facilitate the conversation. I love that because then you're going to a mental health provider as a family mm -hmm. to facilitate a conversation, right? Absolutely. You're not going because you're crazy or you're depressed or you're wh whatever label you want to put on yourself, but you're going to help facilitate a healthy conversation about what's going on in life. And it works really well. You know, sometimes parents are just as nervous about talking to their kids as kids are about talking to their parents mm -hmm. and they're the parent, but it's because they're doing something new. And anytime we do something new, sometimes we are a little bit nervous because we don't know how it's going to turn out. We don't know how the other person is going to receive maybe some things that we say. And so I always witness a lot of times in therapy, 
when we're facilitating those conversations, parents are hearing things for the first time and children mm -hmm. are hearing things for the first time. But it's, it's tough work, but it's so necessary and it's so beneficial because once we do that work, it's, it's second nature. Now we've created a space. Now it's easier to have those conversations and ask those questions. And so, yeah. I love that. I love that. And what are some tips or tricks you can give our listeners if they are just having a hard time? So we talk a lot on this uh, podcast about stress and stress management. And, you know, I, I always give tips. I have my innovative tips, but I would love to hear from you. How can people help settle their, their mind, quiet their mind? Well, what are some things they can do themselves? Yeah. So I do a lot of work around stress management, working with parents, business owners. And so I try to listen to see like what's working for different people. And obviously different circumstances require different skills, but journaling seems to be something that a lot of people enjoy. It's an opportunity to get it out. So if you don't have therapy this week, right, or you've already had your therapy session or your friends aren't available or whatever it is, sometimes you only have yourself. So what can you do to eliminate or to manage your stress? Journaling is always great. Um, I have a lot of clients that do online things. And so online yoga, online fitness, if you have a busy schedule and you can't actually go in person to do fitness classes. So exercising, um, journaling, we have we have we give our clients a list of resources when they come into our practice. And there's also resources on our website. So there's text lines where people can text to have conversations, um, to have someone listen to them if their therapist isn't available or like I said, if they don't have therapy that week. So there's tons of resources out there. And I think it really just depends on what works for the individual person. Journaling is the big one. I also, during the pandemic, I had my alone time to sit as well. I created a journal. It's a self-exploration journal. Our clients use it. It's a guided journal. So it asks questions and it allows people to get some of that stuff out. So journaling seems to be one of the uh, really, really popular things that I hear a lot about how people are using it to eliminate or alleviate some stress. Yeah. So a lot of my clients, I use journaling as well. And I always, you know, explain to people when you think of journaling, I have to write paragraphs. You don't, you don't have to write long paragraphs. It could be a list. It could be pictures. It's just an expression. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think people get hung up on, I don't, I'm not a writer. I don't like to write or, you know, but once you start journaling, whatever that means, so you can make it your own. It, it's so therapeutic. Yeah. So and a lot of people don't know how to journal, you know, mm -hmm. so that the, the good thing about that guided journal that I created, it's very, it's very easy, right? It's easy in that it's very thought provoking questions, but it gets your mind going and it gives you a moment to just think through things, get things out. And so, like you said, it doesn't have to be long paragraphs. It doesn't have to be for an hour. It can be for five or 10 minutes or whatever, whatever amount of time you need it to be to help you get to a space where you're at ease. I love that. And where can they find this journal that you're referring to? Yep. The journal is on our website. The website is newperspectivestherapeuticservices.com. And there's tons of resources. There's a link to purchase the journal and also some additional information about what we're doing here in our practice. Awesome. Well, Nigeria, this has been an amazing conversation. Before I take you through a rapid fire, can you leave our listeners with some last inspirational words? Yeah, I'll say that, you know, one of the things that the, the things that I like to tell people is that 
everything we go through in life is full of purpose. Know that on the other side, there is always an opportunity for you to grow and excel and continue to dream and accomplish all the things that you want to accomplish. And there's always support. There's always people that want to see you win. I love that. You never have to do anything alone. There's always people who want to see you win. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Love that. All right. Well, let's get to the rapid fire. So tell me the first thing that comes to your mind to finish the statement or answer the question. Okay. Wellness means? Health. I know I'm stressed when? I have a migraine. My go-to stress management solution is? Music. One word that describes me is? Intentional. If I can go anywhere in the world, I would go to? Hmm. I don't know. Turks and Caicos. <laughs> <laughs> what book would you recommend to our listeners? I have to say my guided journal. <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> I can't say anybody else's. <laughs> That's right. I hear you on that one. And my last question for you is, what is something you learned about yourself during COVID? What is something I learned about myself? That I'm not a teacher. I pulled my kids out of school and was homeschooling them. And I was like, oh my gosh, have I ruined their academic careers? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much. This has been such an amazing conversation and we will definitely have to have you back. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Wendy. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend. Before you go, I would love to share a free stress management resource with you. Go to stressblueprint.com and download your free copy of the three questions to ask when you are stressed. Until next time, go out and be your best, do your best, and give your best. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.